0: Ayer's on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer.
1: Hi, we're back. It's Richard and Linda Ayer on the Road.
0: Ayer's on the Road. We've been been trying to think. I think we've been going on this show for nearly 10 years, Linda. You think that's possible? No, but a lot of years. A lot of years. I think it's getting close to 10. We love it. It kind of gives us Something to do, you know, on a <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> once a week, saw, we have something, have something predictable. Something <laughs> <laughs> and I want to well. give you two warnings today at to, the start of today's show. Um, the first warning is we're in Maui, and there's a rooster that comes around, and he's a loud guy. He's got a harem of about five little chickens, and he herds them around, and he's loud. So if you hear a rooster crowing, <laughs> Just know you'll know it's, it's our little friend. It's live, and Linda goes out and chases him away. So if he comes, then that's that's what you might hear. And the second warning is, you wouldn't really want to see Linda today.
1: <laughs> well, nor would you want to see Richard today. I can't believe you said that.
0: Well, what happens is Linda's hair. When we're in a humid climate, it has a life of its own, and <laughs> it I does. actually like it. It's oh, like,
1: man, it it's is
0: way, awful. it is all over your head. It is like a, an unruly, wonderful a mess. profusion. It's wonderful. <laughs> so we're just saying we're glad it's radio and not TV. Yeah, nice, <laughs>
1: really nice, honey. Um, <clears throat> but we have an interesting thing to talk about today, a book that we've done many years ago, but that became popular, not because of us, just because of happy accidents.
0: Well, yeah, we're gonna tell you the story of a book, but the, the reason for doing so is because the message of the book is something we all need, including us, including grandparents, as well as parents, including society at large, and the message is how important it is to teach values to our children. A lot of parents, Just assume that values are something the kids will learn by osmosis. I mean, as long as I set a good example as a parent, the children will see that example and they'll learn values. And, of course, example is the the best teacher. But we believe, and we've just found it to be true all through our speaking and writing and being with parents, that the parents who do the best are the ones that actually – designate the values that they're trying to teach their children. They define those values in their minds. They make sure their children understand those values at the earliest possible age. And they talk about values. I mean, values need to not be an ethereal sort of distant, vague thing in a family. They need to be clear. And it needs to be clear to children that these are the values we believe and these are the values we try to live. And it takes work to understand these values and to put them into practice.
1: Well, we did have fun with this book. We have, there's quite a story, a backstory on this one. Probably more than any one that we've done.
0: Yeah, let's, let's tell you the story of a book. And then as we go along, let's talk about the message of the book, but more important than that, the larger message of of values within our society. So where do we start, Linda? Maybe we start with um, the, well, let's start with the fact that before this book came along, right? We had done, uh, we were fairly young in our publishing career, and we had done two books that started with the word teaching children. One was called Teaching Children Joy. And one was called Teaching Children Responsibility. Actually,
1: there were three because the third one was Teaching Children
0: Sensitivity. But which we is hadn't for written. Teenagers. I don't think we'd written that
1: yeah, one. Well, yeah, we had.
0: I don't so, think so. I think we'd only done two. Anyway. We'll have to check that out.
1: Anyway, let's not have an argument. Then, let's right? have yep. an argument. Okay, so um, we decided to do this book at the invitation. Wait, of wait, wait. Our- don't
0: get to that yet. I, w- I want to tell one of the things. Sorry, I'm trying, I'm trying to start a little earlier. Deseret book, the, the LDS church had published Teaching Children Joy and Teaching Children Responsibility, right? And they had done them in a, under a label called Shadow Mountain because they were interested in getting into the national market, selling books beyond just the church membership and the Deseret bookstores. And so our two books were their first two on Shadow Mountain, and they sent us on a book tour and we were going around the country giving TV interviews on these two early. Yeah, that's dogs. true. That's true. They were okay. The first and then um, something quite wonderful happened. We were in San Francisco and we were on a show. I think it was called Good Morning, San Francisco. We got back to our hotel room and the phone rang and I picked it up and, and it was an amazing, serendipitous call the person on the other line, a lovely woman said, I am the president of Random House. And I just, I I live in New York, of course, but I'm here in San Francisco. And I saw you and your wife on good morning, San Francisco today. And we would like to buy your book. We would like to buy both of those books, teaching children joy and teaching children responsibility, because we think that's that we want to get more into parenting. And just from what you said on TV, we think we'd like to buy them. That was just a shot out of the blue. That was like a strike of lightning.
1: It was wild. That never happens.
0: That just doesn't happen. And our answer was, well, we don't own them. You'll have to call Deseret Book. It's a publisher in Salt Lake City. And she got the information and she called. And the next thing we knew, they had bought those two books.
1: It was pretty amazing. And then we went on a tour with them.
0: Um, with those two books. They put it into little paperbacks. Remember those little paperbacks? Yeah, they like did. A little pocketbooks. Yeah, little- they,
1: they repackaged it, and then we went on another tour. And um, that was interesting. You may wonder how we're leaving our children all this time.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Let me just well, add uh, that yeah, we, we only went five days tours. at a time. They Sometimes wanted, two you or know, three days. Book
1: yeah. tours used to be a really uh, um, different big, than big they are deal. now. It's yeah. a big deal, and they're, they would they wanted us to go for like a month yeah and just go from one 25
0: to the cities
1: and uh we, we just did said, do
0: 25 cities but in little batches yeah what we said is
1: no we can't be gone more than five days at a time so we'll go five days and we'll go home 10 days and so five days and then home 10 days and i do have to say that the kids you might think oh those poor neglected kids well If we got them sugar-coated cereal and a babysitter couple with a baby, then they were so happy that we would
0: leave. (laughs) So the young couple, we had two or three we really liked and trusted, and they'd come and move in and sleep in our bed. Take on the role of parents, and it was kind of good for everybody. It was really
1: hard, harder than you know. You just walked out the door. I had, had meals in the freezer oh, for five, five days, and write a that. book to get the no. You have did not gas
0: in the car and a few things <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> um, to get everybody where they had to go was absolutely a book for five days for a whole week but anyway it was really fun we had a good time and the kids had a good time too they have the happy memories of that
0: well we did multiple book tours like that but this particular one that you're getting to was really interesting because we'd already done a book tour with these same two books now we're doing another one with these new versions of them and sort of the teaching children became almost our brand. Teaching children joy—that's for preschoolers. Teaching children responsibility—that's for elementary age. And we were having a lot of fun with these books. And then, are um, that same publisher, Random House, and by the way, they were doing it through their paperback division, which was called Ballantine, still is Ballantine Books. And they came to us after these first two books and said, hey, we'd like you to do another one, a third one in the series. And we want it to be teaching children values because our research shows that when you ask parents what they want most to teach their children, they don't always use the word values, but the, the essence of what they say is we want them to be good people. We want them to have good character. We want them to have good Values we want them to have good principles to live by and so we think a perfect third book in the series would be teaching children Values and we want to make it a really big book They said we we're meeting with them in New York on 6th Avenue in their big random house Place and we're going to really put some Promotion behind it. We're going to make this a really big book because your other two books that we bought are doing really well and we want to make this one a big one, so we were thrilled. Remember how thrilled we, we were? It was great, and and I do have to add that it was their suggestion. Yeah, that that's
1: they, they changed these the name to teaching your children. Oh, that's Remember true. That? Yeah, they, they said, said let's make it important. more
0: personal. Yeah. Teaching your children values, and so we went off to England. That's another interesting part of the story. We thought, you know, if we're really going to do our best on this book. And there were other reasons. We wanted to get back to England. We'd lived there for three years while we were leaders or presidents of a mission for the church. And we we wanted to go back. It had been ten years since we'd lived there. And only our oldest kids, we, we had four children when we went, lived in England for that, that three years, and two more were born there, but they were just babies, obviously, when we returned. And 10 years later, now we had nine children and the younger ones had never had the English experience and everyone agreed in the family, let's move back to England for six or seven months while we write this book and the kids will go in those same schools and everything. And then a real serendipity happened. We ended up living in the same house. Yeah, and
1: you don't want to know all the details on that. It's just that the other couple had moved out and they'd relocated, and we just said, hey, let us rent. Well, this it was house. the mission home. Yeah, it was, but they said, let us rent this home until you get ready to sell it in the, in the summer, which will be easier. Yeah, they, they changed mission. Sure, homes. sure. That'd be so, great.
0: So it's so interesting. We moved back into the same house, only now without the responsibility of two or three hundred missionaries at a time. Just with ourselves and our kids, and this book to write, and we had the time of
1: our lives. Oh, it was a golden time. I love that we had old furniture from the Goodwill store, <laughs> and we had just nothing that we worried about. The kids, well, they had their ups and downs.
0: Yeah, they went to they to did British schools um, and wore uniforms. And
1: we had a little a sophomore <laughs> in high school who had to wear an ugly brown uniform, and she cried every day. And then when we got home, she five years later, she called and said, that was the best thing you ever did for
0: me. <laughs> yeah, that got me out of my comfort zone.
1: Absolutely. So we had really quite an
0: adventure. And, and we did all the things that we didn't have time to do when we were living there and had all those responsibilities. And the only real responsibility we had, other than the children, was to write this book. And remember, we got an old partner's desk that we bought, which we still have, of course we bought at a furniture auction and uh, we would go sit up in the upstairs room and look out at the English garden and work on this book every day and it was really, it was a golden moment in time. It was a wonderful time. And the the book kind of took shape for us. We knew that we wanted to have 12 values that we were suggesting parents teach their children and we knew we wanted to not call them chapters or even values, but call them months. Months Month one, honesty. Month two, courage. Month three, respect. Month four, self-reliance, and so on. And remember how hard we worked and we met with a lot of couples and focus groups to try to pick out 12 values that were universal. That no one would say, oh I don't want to teach that value. We wanted them all to be unanimous That every parent wanted for their kids. Yeah,
1: we did. And actually, there was quite a dramatic event that happened. And we're going to save that for the second half um, after we had this written. We had an editor that we really liked. And she was kind of guiding us through, you know, we came up with 12 values and one a month and so on. And uh, the parents could work on with lots of specifics. Oh, dramatic.
0: Dramatic event coming up. But before we go to break, let me just say that uh, I'm glad we're doing this because I love the the recollection of that golden time of trying to write that book and really thinking hard and getting the thinking of a lot of other young parents involved on what are the values and are these values, can you really teach them? Can, and how young does a child need to be to learn this value and what teaches them? Is it stories? Is it games? Is it How do do you teach these values?
1: So hang on. We are going to give you some specifics and quite a dramatic story when we come back from this short break. Welcome back to Ayers On The Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer, And we're back. We're talking today about... For those of you most of you who've been listening about teaching your children values a book we wrote many years ago with quite a interesting background story
0: we're telling you the story because it'll help you to see what is in the book and why it's in there and why it still applies to families today so we left off in england we finished the book we felt really good about it we felt really good about our time we'd spent in england we came back home we brought that partner's desk (laughs) that still sits in our house today. And we proudly and happily brought the manuscript to New York and handed it off personally to to Random House. And everything was great. And then we got a call, and they said, come on in, we want to talk about the book. And that was a really, that's a meeting we'll never forget because we're sitting there with these three senior editors and they said we've got good news and bad news for you the good news is we love the book it's just what we were thinking it's going to work great the bad news is we're going to have to eliminate one of the chapters
1: um and we (laughs) said really what what is it
0: there's 12 we have to have 12 there's 12 months
1: (laughs) yeah what what do you want and they said you know this chapter this chapter on um chastity and um
0: Fidelity, Fidelity
1: uh, is just old-fashioned. It just makes people feel guilty. It's just not going to work for our time and our day. It just sounds. It just. It's not right. We so. couldn't
0: really believe it. We said, "Well, wait. We, we live in a time when everyone's worried about sexual." Oh my goodness! Morality and, and about about AIDS and I mean it was a time when everyone was the biggest problem was,
1: in our lives at
0: that. Uh, no, I know, but we don't want that in there. We'll just have to take it out. We'll just have eleven chapters. Or if you can think of another value to put in there for number twelve, and we couldn't believe it. We kept saying, "Well, we can reword it. If you don't like the word chastity, if it seems old-fashioned, we'll think of another word." But we we're not going to. It's going to say the same out. thing. Yeah. And it just got more and more heated. There goes that rooster, Linda. You wanna go chase him away? Linda. <laughs> I'll tell a little more while Linda chases away the rooster. Although maybe people like that sound of the rooster. Sit down, it'll be okay. Oh, Linda's gonna go out. She's got away with roosters. Anyway, I just remember that meeting because we, we just gradually realized we were at an impasse. We gradually realized they were they were drawn a line in the sand. They were not gonna publish the book unless we took out what we thought was in some ways the most important chapter because all of our work with parents and speaking to parents and so on, we had decided that the thing, the, the biggest danger of all was sexual immorality and sexual experimentation and all kinds of bad ideas and failure to talk about it and within families. and. We just were not gonna take that chapter out. And it became such an impasse that they finally, I remember the the senior editor finally just turned the manuscript over on her desk and said, okay, we're not gonna publish it. Or did we say, or did we, maybe? Yeah, we said. we said, we will not do it without that chapter. We
1: cannot do it without that chapter, we cannot. It is really the most important.
0: And there was a sinking feeling. It was like the meeting just ended. Right. And
1: it did, and we walked out onto Fifth Avenue in New York City. Thinking, Sixth Avenue. Wow, what did we do?
0: We just we just gave up. <laughs> Random House. We gave up a publisher's dream.
1: But it was it was okay because we went home, put it on the shelf, to just to speed this story along a little bit, and it sat there for five years while Richard ran for governor. Oh, and boy. we had an amazing family experience with that, and then he lost. And I'm so glad, I'm so glad, sorry honey, but man, I don't like politics Well
0: thanks for being so gleeful about it. (laughs) But the the timing was so interesting because right about the time of that political disappointment, we had a call from our agent, our literary agent who had been trying to find another publisher that would not only do the book but do it as well as Random House could have. And we got the call and he said, Simon & Schuster. Very, very interested in the book. We want you to come back and talk to them. Times had changed in that five years. it was
1: amazing. They had
0: no problem with the chapter on chastity. In fact, they thought it was one of the most important chapters. It became just a dream to work with them. They got the book put together. Everyone loved it. I mean, it really was an interesting time for us as writers because the timing was so perfect. A lot of people were talking about values bill bennett had just done a book on the book of virtues it was just a time when the timing was right and we got on all kind you know instead of just a little book tour of going city by city we started getting invitations we were on the donna donahue show we were on the today show we were and on then
1: one CBS. day yes
0: good morning
1: sitting at dinner uh, with everybody around the table we're talking, the phone rang and they they said, Hello, this is the Oprah show and Richard said,
0: um, Yeah, who is this really? Who who's who's playing this? a joke on us?
1: Not really. And he said, No, it really is. We we really love this book
0: and we it said Oprah loves the book.
1: And uh we we really want to do uh a segment on it. And so they We said, thought it was
0: a segment. We yeah. thought it
1: was a segment, something. Usually we have five or six minutes to talk about it, but They came out, they sent a whole team out. They did what they call B roll. So they went through the whole book and showed exactly how we do it.
0: Demonstrations on how to teach each of those values. It was amazing.
1: Honesty, courage, self-esteem, self-reliance and and all that.
0: We got to Chicago to do the show and we'd brought uh, seven seven of the kids. Six of seven, them.
1: Seven. Yeah, three of them were gone.
0: No, seven. I think there were only two gone. Cause oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So we had seven of the kids, and they were just along for the ride, and they were going to stay in the hotel room, and then we get the call from the producer. No, 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 bring all the kids. Uh, well, it's just one segment, I said. We don't have time no, 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 you're on for the entire hour and we want all the kids, they'll all be on stage, you'll all be mic'd up and we had a heart attack.
1: <laughs> Actually, they didn't tell <laughs> us that till we got there. I thought they were going to be in the audience. I didn't realize they were going to be sitting by us and honestly, Charity and Eli have never sat by each other for one hour in their entire lives without breaking out in a fight. I did not sleep all night, but we did it and going on, well, no, it, the was, thing it that was, was
0: really amazing. Well, it was, you know, 22 million people live, that was when the Oprah show was live. They would run it again in in future weeks. But, um, you know, we thought what's going to happen with these kids, but they did they actually did did a great job. It was fun. It's a great
1: memory. And, you know, it was one of those things where, um, when I, you know, as a young mother with busy, with all these kids, it was crazy. I thought, who stays home and watches Oprah? in the afternoon because there's (laughs) so many things you know and it was astonishing I mean a lot of people stayed and home and watched Oprah and it was it was amazing there were wait lists all the way across the country it went within two weeks it went to number one on the New York Times well and I,
0: I want to tell you this Linda I hadn't thought of this for a while but what was interesting is we had another trip planned right after the Oprah show and we I'm trying to remember the reasons. We went to Israel. We were in Israel. Israel. I think one
1: of our kids was.
0: Oh, one of them was finishing the study abroad. And so we were in Israel when we got a call from our agent saying, Guess what? Your book is number four on the New York Times bestseller list. And we're like, Really? Fantastic. And so we were so excited about that. And then one year later, one week later, the next week, we got another call from the agent we weren't paying attention we were in Israel and he said your books number one you are now New York Times number one best-selling authors and we found out later that it was pretty remarkable because um there had not been a parenting book or a family sort of relationship type book that had reached number one on the New York Times bestseller list for 50 years the last one was Benjamin Spock's Baby and Child Care. So, and we don't take a lot of credit, as you said, Linda. We give the credit to Oprah and Donahue. Well, it just happened to be timing. at the, the right timing.
1: time, at the right moment. It was not the best book we've written, I don't think. And it really, but it really did have a lot of specific suggestions of how to teach values, and we should Each just give values. a few little. Um,
0: well, ideas and, and the thing that was i think the thing that really appealed to people and still does i mean here's the interesting thing this book is still selling and we're so grateful for it not so much because of what it's done for us but because of what we hope it's done for parents and families but they like the idea i just focus on one thing at a time if it's january i focus on honesty if it's february i focus on on courage, march on respect. And so it made it simpler for parents. And and a lot of parents figured out that when the year's over, you start over because now the five-year-old is six or the 11-year-old is 12. And they learn that same value the next year on a higher, newer level.
1: Yeah. So let's just give you a couple of little examples. Like, for example, when we're talking about respect, parents are always concerned because kids are just not be respectful nowadays like they used to be when the when the parents were beating them up with belts and so on you oh, i mean it, it really is dramatic it is a hard um a hard time i mean you know in the farm days kids just were obedient they did what their parents told them and re- they respect they were respectful but we suggested because our kids had moments of disrespect also, and so we uh, suggested that what you did when a child says something that was not appropriate to you, you just say the words "Let's start over." So you set that up in a family meeting. You you say you have them role play that, and then when they say something like oh, "Why do you always ask me to take out the garbage? Ask somebody else," say "Wait a minute, let's start over," and then you have them keep repeating what what is more appropriate and more appropriate until they get it
0: just right well it's interesting you choose that example because there were a lot of really specific little things i mean don't forget we're sitting there in england for this month after month thinking of methods once we decided what the values were how would you teach this what's a story that teaches that so we're finding book lists and stories that illustrate these these values and 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 it turned out The repenting bench came out of that. There's all these specific little ideas that parents use throughout the world today, and we don't take credit for them. They just came to us because we were thinking about those values so hard and so deeply. But I honestly think, Linda, the main value, the main contribution of the book, the main method was just focusing on one for a whole month. Because when you're focused on a particular value as parents, Almost everything becomes a teaching method. You right. see something on TV, or you'll the kids will come home and say, "Well, in school today, so and so was cheated yeah. on a test." Or, "Well, that let's talk more about." It. We're talking about well, this and, is
1: our month on honesty. And our advantage was that we had kids. We had a lot of kids with us, and we could try yeah. things out. I mean, yeah. we bought the repenting bench when we were there, and what that was is a little. Uh, system where with the kids were arguing, we sent them to this bench to work out their own arguments so that we no longer had that to be the referee month, and that, figure out what was going on. That
0: was the month on the value of peaceability. And so the methods were practical and I think readers appreciated that because and still do. Be and and the the great thing is it's a book that hasn't gotten dated because the values don't change. And the simplicity of the methods don't change. They stay the same. Right. And we'll run into parents now who say, my parents taught me those values when I was a child. Now I've got children. I'm teaching those values to my children. It just makes us happy.
1: And interestingly, I think it's one that is not on Irish Free Books because it's still in print. Well, it can't be because it's
0: still in print. I found
1: one in Oman in the... (laughs) A, a bookstore there, which I was astonished by. Well, it's by. been
0: translated into a dozen it's been, languages. Yeah, it's, been it's, translated. It's, it's sold a million copies. It's just a blessing. And not so much to us, but certainly to us along with others. And so what we wanted to tell you that backstory because it's, it's an interesting um, story about an idea. And the idea is being organized and deliberate and purposeful in teaching each of these values to and, our children yeah, and I it mean, led to values parenting
1: yeah your led to values parenting.com it's been the springboard for everything and actually it's our testimonial of serendipity because it is nothing we could have planned we could not have planned that i mean we did the best we could at the time and then all of a sudden it happens.
0: So I hope you enjoyed the story. We wish you luck in teaching values to your children and grandchildren. And it's Richard and Linda signing off on hires on the Road.
1: See you next time. Bye-bye.